summarily mess Artists like their boots are torn to shreds The government will spoil your hopes and dreams By offering a useless retreating scheme There's such amazing talent, why can't you see That the government has decimated the industry And now the years of hard work have been thrown away Just get a real job. Hello and welcome to Just Get a Real Job, the podcast where we speak to emerging creatives and creatives alike from across the creative industries. I'm of course your host, Jamie McKinley, and I'm recording this week's intro at about half ten on a Monday night, the day before the episode comes out. It's the first episode we released in May as well. I don't know how it's May already, but a massive thank you to everyone that supported and listened to the podcast in April. It was a great month at the podcast. It was really nice to put out last week's special episode with me being interviewed by Joe as well. It's always lovely to do a wee reflective episode, look back on the sort of last year and stuff. So thank you to everyone that listened to that, and thank you for the kind messages about the episode as well. It means a lot to us. We have another brilliant episode in store for you today. I'm actually really excited about this episode. It was a really, really enjoyable one to record. And joining us on the podcast this week is BAFTA-nominated screenwriter and playwright Kenny Empson. And Kenny is a great guy to speak to. I really, really enjoyed chatting to him. He was just one of those people that was so easy to talk to, very funny, very honest about his experience as a writer. We spoke about lots of things, including how he's written for The Soaps, including EastEnders and Holby City. And he's written several brilliant plays. His most recent play, the shit yes it is actually called that i plugged that a couple of weeks ago in one of the intros and it's had a very very successful run-up in leeds it's had a few shows on at the bush theater in london as well so that play has done really well and i think they're hoping to take it to some youth centers and tour it further as well so best of luck to the team behind that so it sounds like a really interesting project but yeah kenny was a great guest to have on he had some great things to say about writing so if you're a writer particularly i think you're going to get a lot of this episode and just as this is a writing based episode i thought i'd plug some other recent episodes of writers we've had on that people might be interested to go back and listen to if they're a new listener and this is their first time. So recently on the podcast we'd had Michael Lee Richardson who is a BAFTA award-winning writer. We'd also had James Cappell, who runs Scribe Lounge, which is an amazing resource place for writers. My dear friend Noemi Stefan was also recently on the podcast. She's a very, very successful Swiss playwright. So we'd had some brilliant writing episodes. There's more than that as well in the back catalogues, but those are just three really good recent examples of some guests we'd had on that you might be interested to go back and listen to if you enjoy today's episode. But anyway, I think that was everything for that. Thank you for your continued support as well. Remember, if you can afford to as well, to subscribe to our patreon page all the money we make goes back into the upkeep of this podcast oh i did remember what i had to plug in the intro before i forget i wanted to quickly give a massive shout out to naomi heed who has done an amazing job of overhauling our website so our website was just not up to it really we hadn't done it for i think it was like a year out of date it just wasn't good so naomi has done an amazing job of doing the website up I would thoroughly recommend Naomi's services if you're looking to get a website done up or you're looking to seek some support with social medias and platforms and stuff. She's a brilliant help and she's very, very talented and very good at it. So massive thank you to her. Go and check out the website. It's looking amazing. But anyway, I think that's all I had to say in the intro. I hope you enjoy episode 77 of Just Get A Real Job with the brilliantly talented BAFTA-nominated writer, Kenny Emson. This is always the, the worst bit when you've just been having a casual chat that you suddenly have to go into like, <laughs> yeah. like I don't know why it feels different but it shouldn't but you're just suddenly like I feel like my phone voice maybe comes on a bit more pro- prominently than it. Uh, 
do you know that is the whole thing all my mates like always used to say to me you know when you answer a work phone call and they're like oh ken's got his wanker work phone call voice on now and i was like i'm just i'm trying to earn a living lads do you know what i mean <laughs> uh, we're just going to keep this in and go straight into it but hi ken how you doing it's lovely to meet you Really nice to meet you too, Jamie. Cheers for chatting to us. No, appreciate it. It's a Monday night as well. So, you know, it's always nice to kick off the week doing the podcast. But just for the listeners, you are a writer of both plays and screen. So, um, and you've been doing that for quite a while now. Yeah, mate, I do do a little bit of everything, really. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, did uh, started off in theatre and then I was really lucky to get a few breaks and do a bit of work on the soaps. I just been, I've been working on a film for the last year, which is really cool. Hopefully someone someone decides to make it. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of writing for, to write for film that don't get made. And I did a bit of radio as well. Radio was really cool as well. Yeah. That was a really cool medium. So, see, I've been pretty lucky. I do a bit of everything, really. Yeah, you know, we'll get into it as well. And you also, you have, I know you just had a sort of successful run in Leeds with your play as well, which I was going to say shit. I was going to call it shit. And then I was like, that's going to sound like I'm slagging you off. But the play is actually called The Shit, isn't it? So, yeah, um, it's, it's called the, the fantastic, shit. Yeah. Fantastic. My, uh, my father-in-law uh, loves to give me some shit about it by saying, "How's your shit play going?" Every time I speak to him, I'm like, "Oh, cheers, thanks." thanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We just did that, so obviously we can talk about that because I know you got a few. Of the you're gonna you're doing a few shows in that of that the Bush Theatre soon as well. We'll get into. But sort of to kick off the podcast again, we sort of like to ask all our guests like what their earliest sort of creative memories were. So do you remember when you were younger? Like, were you writing stuff? Were you always sort of conscious? I want to do this as eleven, or did that come a bit later? Nah, I, it's funny. I was chatting to someone about this the other day. And do, do you remember like the big shop? You know, like the big shop at the end of the week where you yeah. go to the big shop. I love it being it. called that. No one's called that for ages. You, you're yeah, mate, it's because I'm ancient. Shop. <laughs> it's because I'm ancient, that's why. But we, like, I grew up near Basildon in Essex. And like, you know, like, I've got fond memories of Basildon, but it ain't the nicest place in the world. And uh, so we used to do the big shop on a Friday. And like, you know, you can't go near my mum when she's in a shop. She'd kill you. Do you know what I mean? Like me and my dad just get under her feet. So we were like banished. And we we stumbled in a comic shop. It's just like this random little comic shop in this thing. And, mm. you know, I must have been like, I don't know, eight or nine or something like that. And my dad bought us a couple of comics. And, and so from that, I got into story. Like for me, that was it. Because then suddenly reading's not a chore. Do you know what I mean? You're, you're looking forward to reading. Because every week when you go to the big shop, yeah. you get a couple of issues <laughs> and comics and stuff like that. And so I, I think like it didn't start me writing. But I would say that is that's the moment probably when I became a writer. Do you know what I mean? And yeah, it, yeah. I always say that to people. I kind of believe everyone can write. It's just getting interested in story at an early age. And, you know, now with like Netflix and Amazon and, you know, we've got stories coming at us all the time, haven't we? And, you know, TikTok and all like the socials and that. I just think it's like getting into that and working out just how, how it works. Like, you know, when you tell a story down the pub, if people laugh or they don't, like that's the same as when I write scripts. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, that's where something kind of lives and dies in this audience's reaction to it. Yeah, 100%. I I also sort of say that we're all innately storytellers as humans anyway. Some of us just have the discipline to sort of write it down and make it into a living or get it to a point where it can be published, etc. Yeah, mate. Some of us just love sitting in rooms on our own for a long period of time <laughs> writing it down. It's probably some weird, some weird thing there, isn't it, about people who want to sit in a room and write it all down. But uh... It's not easy. It's really not. It's a lot harder jobs, though. I have to admit, I've, yeah, I've done a few, and yeah, this one's not too bad. Do you know what I mean? It comes because I still I teach writing. I teach. Well, I say teach. It's not teaching. I, I run like a writers group for the Mercury Theatre in Colchester, and we're trying to just trying to bring through like Essex voices. Do you know what I mean? Like mm. when I was growing up, there weren't like what was nowhere. 
nowhere to kind of go to as a young writer and it's just trying to give those pathways to people and and i always say to everyone i was like writing is the best shit job there is because it is like it's brilliant like i have the i'm so lucky to do this it also comes with so much rejection do you know what i mean and And so you kind of got to develop a bit of a thick skin because not everything's getting made and you know Mm. even on a good week you're probably having a couple of projects turned down or you know someone's giving you loads of notes and it's Mm. kind of you know understanding that those notes aren't like a personal comment on you as a human being it's just everyone trying to make it the best possible version yeah no 100% I mean as we were sort of talking about off air before we started recording as well like even the rejections even when you get the green light and stuff there's still it can get a two years down the line and then it gets rejected as well so it is one of those isn't it it's- yeah like it's just there, there's so many moving parts to it all mm. yeah it, it but like i said it's also amazing like you get to tell stories for a living yeah. like what, what an absolute joy to be able to do that and also like the collaboration with people like in tv it's a little bit different. Do you know what I mean? Because I don't want to get on a set and get, on, get in people's way. I always just thought I'm going to be like the guy in the way. Do you know what I mean? It's that kind of uh, that kind of feeling. It's, uh, you know, being John Malkovich, where he goes, yeah, on, yeah. He goes on there and he's just in the way. Everyone's like, who are you? Get out of the way. I always feel that's going to be me. But in theatre, it's great because, like, the rehearsal process, like, you're in the room working with the actors and the designers, the directors. It's really cool. So, yeah, like I said, it's the best shit job there is. It really is. <laughs> that is uh, that's that's my only sell when I tell No, people. but it's lovely how appreciative of the job you are. And clearly, like, you know, you've had to work to do it as well. So you're very aware of, like, you know, the real world and, like, what other jobs can be like, which is nice to hear. Yeah, no, I just, I do think it is, like, and don't get me wrong, like, I weren't down the mines or anything like that. So, you know, I ain't got a lot to talk <laughs> about. But, but like, when, when I was starting out, <laughs> I used to work in an offie in, it's, like, right on the cusp of Feltham. So it's, like, mm. Feltham, Hounslow in like southwest London and uh, it was it's the best job ever for a writer because like basically if you work in an off license in a day you don't have a lot of customers so you sit in like the safe room so mm. you know like the bit if there's a robbery you sit at the back and there's a thing on the door and so I could just write in the daytime do you know what I mean but I did used to get robbed all the time it was like well I'm robbing oh my god and like nothing you know too bad like it, I, I never had a gun someone got robbed of a gun but it was on a night when I wasn't working there and like who knows if it was real or fake but uh, I had a dude with a knife and uh, it did do you know what I mean like everyone talks a good game about how they're going to react and then you see something like that and you shit your pants and, of course uh, you do. <laughs> he, he, had, he had to talk me into how to open the till he was like kept he was really professional he was like just open the till nothing bad's going to happen I just want the money I don't want to do anything and I was like flustered trying to do it and he's like no don't just run through like some chewing gum and open the till and I was like okay okay <laughs> just give him the cash but yeah so it was good not to do that basically it's a lot easier writing from my desk in my yeah. house than it is is right <laughs> in the safe room with that there you go i'm very excited for the part-time job question we asked towards the end of the podcast then that's going to be a fun one to ask you but, <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah. we sort of you'd sort of touched on it already but like we the next question i love to ask my guests is like about how where they're from and how where they're from has influenced them as a writer and stuff you kind of touched on that a little bit but like growing up in a place like essex and things like how has that shaped your work and you're talking there about new essex voice as well as well so it does sound like it's something you're very passionate about it's, it's weird because like I, I moved to London when I was 18 and for like first while like you know you're always trying to pretend to be something you're not you're trying to fit in aren't you do you mm. know what I mean and so like working in theatre like people don't sound like me do you know what I mean there's not a lot of people who kind of sound like they're from Essex and I, I'm from a really nice family do you know what I mean I'm incredibly fortunate with my upbringing and my folks but you don't get a lot of people who sound like me in the, the theatre and so you're trying desperately to sound like everyone else and you know you're trying to still 
tell stories that you think are what these people want to hear as well. And it took a while before, like, there's an amazing woman called Sophie Mason. She used to run Off West End and the Adopter Playwright thing. And I met her and she'd come and seen a particularly terrible play of mm. mine about, you know, nothing like 25-year-old angst. And she was like, why don't you write about where you're from? Why don't you write about, like, my, my uncles used to work on the docks and stuff like that. She's like, why don't you write about that? It's all so fucking interesting. And all you ever write plays about is this horrible angsty rubbish. And like, she's a mate so she could tell me and I was like fair play to you maybe maybe I should and that was when it went from being something I did on the side of yeah. other jobs to I, I wrote a play called White and I, I, I won this kind of award from it and and it just got me jobs so it got me on the BBC thing and stuff like that and that was that was when it shifted from being like you know I'm a dude who works in schools who does a bit of writing in in you know and equally I'd have plays on and stuff but couldn't support myself to being you know I could give this a go and you know see what happens and you know fortunately it's like 12 13 years down the line and you know I'm still giving it a go <laughs> yeah, like, no, yeah that's amazing that's amazing yeah. well no thank you for answering that question right and I think it's interesting what you're saying about the voice thing like no one sounds like yeah I think that is such a common thing on this podcast we have people on I relate to it as well as somebody especially as a Scottish person in an industry which is predominantly does can be quite a middle-class industry especially in TV and film particularly and you know you go to meetings and stuff and you're like Christ no one speaks like me no one's really no one when I grew up did this either like did like yeah. you know a job like that either so you almost innately always feel like you're sort of fighting with imposter syndrome so I imagine that was similar for you when you saying you moved to London and you're in theatre and stuff was there like a big sense of imposter syndrome there? It's impossible, but it's like you said as well. It's like because like there was just nobody. Do you know what I mean? Like from where I grew up in like a little town in you know in Farrock in Essex, you just you don't have those people. Do you know what I mean? And like you know, like you got David Eldridge. It's like David Eldridge was the only Essex-based writer I can you know think of mm. when I was kind of coming up. And like now it's, it's shifting now. And like this amazing writers like Vicky Donahue's one of my favorite favorite writers. Do you know what I mean? And she she lives just down the road in, in Essex as well. And so and we've had some brilliant writers coming through of this group I've been like looking after yeah. like real really good you know when you're like shit you're so good at 21 <laughs> I was out <laughs> getting pissed and you're really good at writing but yeah so you've got these amazing voices coming through now which is brilliant and because like you said if you're growing up and you you're aware of these people from your local area it doesn't feel like such a, a massive thing to do it's like mm. well look if other people do it so so yeah, hopefully that's the case, man. Isn't it because it's what we want. We just we want a diversity of voices, a diversity 100%. of stories. Do you know what I mean? Because otherwise, yeah. it's just all the same old rubbish, isn't it? Pretty much. Yeah, hundred percent. Which is why things like what you're doing with that theatre company are so important. And we, you know, that's what I try to do with this podcast is meant to sort of be a place where younger people, particularly, can maybe go and listen and be like, "This is how these people did it. This is how they make a living." And you know, make it accessible and and seem like a realistic job opportunity. And yeah, hundred percent. So it's a great thing you're doing. Oh no, cheers! But I, I just because it's why I always like I had a good job in a school. Do you know what I mean? I, I had a good job in a school. I was a, a school secretary, school administrator, and I got paid mm. good money. Do you know what I mean? But the the person who worked, you know, when you talk about like formative people in your career, yeah. One of the most important people in my career was the business manager at that school because she taught me how to fill in forms, and so <laughs> I filled. No, I know it sounds stupid, but yeah. She told me how to fill in forms. So I applied for some arts council funding and I got it and I got that and I got a little grant from somewhere else. And because I, I, I don't want to be a starving artist, it's got absolutely no, uh, I want to be a very rich artist on a beach. <laughs> you know what I mean? We all do. Yeah. yeah. And so 
you know, for me to quit my day job, I had 15 grand in the bank from the Arts Council and a grant so I could take a year off. Do you know what I mean? Because I wasn't just going to quit my job and then be skinned. Like that's yeah. just it's not what I'm going to be doing with my life. Do you know what I mean? I want to still, I feel like maybe some people can just hermit and have these amazing stories in them that they, you know, desperately want to get out. But for me, it's like being around people. Like you pick up stories from being around people and you're yeah, being around yeah. life and stuff like that. And so, so yeah, like I, it's why I always say to people like, don't give up the day job too early. Don't put more pressure on yourself than you need to. Do you know what 100%. I mean? Fit the writing in and, and equally work out where there's funding bodies. Cause like they're giving millions of quid to really posh theaters. So why don't you apply as well? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, hundred percent. I think the thing you said about the form is actually really interesting about, because that just, again, shows you that if you come from maybe a place that doesn't have the knowledge of how the industry works, things, you're not going to know even little basic things like how to fill in a form. That's the thing that I think people don't always get about class diversity yeah. and things like that is that it's not even about money always. It's some, or like, it's about little things like how to speak in an interview or how to fill in a form. Like these tiny differences make such a huge, you know, a it's, huge. it's huge like the arts council has just changed their form again at the moment and like i've been doing arts council forms for 10 10 years maybe you know more than that now the new forms a nightmare do you know what i mean and mm-hmm. there's all kinds of support to you know help people but mm-hmm. that first thing where someone clicks on a form looks at it and thinks no it's too much work that's not for me that's not the way funding should work no not public public money shouldn't work like that public money yeah. it should be about the people the ideas and who it's for do you know what i mean yeah. those are three things shouldn't be a test on how well you can fill a form in do you know what i mean 100 percent. i'm self-funded at the moment so i shouldn't i shouldn't write too much yeah it was technically me that said the point first if anyone from our council's listening i take responsibility yeah. for those <laughs> yeah, mate. you're a good man jamie you're a good uh, yeah, man yeah. i start before i start i want to ask you about the writers academy stuff in a minute but before that like a really fun question i love asking this i'm sure you have a great answer being from essex as well but like i love asking guests like what their favorite word or phrase from where they're from is so is like a word or a phrase that you really like that's quite distinctive um, to where you're from my favorite favorite phrase if i've got two am i allowed two you can have two go for it of course you can okay but my favorite line ever is and what and what <laughs> you know what i mean and it can be used in any situation whatsoever it's, right. it's like you know it's like should we get another pint and what you know what i mean like just it's that kind of you know <laughs> i love it and none of your business do you know what i mean I, i've always been there. i've grown up in the my family are all absolute massive piss takers. And so if you ever enter a conversation, you ask someone anything, you're always told <laughs> money of business. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, no, I just, I like that. Like, you know, when I was younger, I, I love the poetry of language. Do you know what mm. I mean? And, you know, like, you know, Beckett and Pinter and all of that kind of stuff. And I suppose for a way, for a time, like the lyricism was too much. All of my writing was kind of a little bit you know, faffy, mm. whereas now you, you, you realise there's actually such a poetry and lyricism in, you know, everyday speech. And I think that's, you know, like the banality of those two, like, like mm. and what, they're like, <laughs> and and what, seem like the most, you know, inarticulate, like there's no lyricism to it, but I think there is, I just, I love it, do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, they're brilliant. I just love asking this question, though, because we have such a range of voices on this podcast, <laughs> all over the UK, all over the world and stuff, you just get some brilliant, like, answers, and it, I think it just gives a little flavour of that thing we're talking about, like, languages, it's just a great thing i love asking so thank you for sharing but the writers academy stuff i want to ask you and i know you sort of mentioned about they had done a play and stuff and that got you some attention but how did that come about because obviously that seems to be the sort of thing you were saying that sort of really changed things for you and set you on the path to sort of where you're maybe at now and stuff it it was amazing like it was a kind of funny story (laughs) so i I, i'd written this play white it had a reading at a haymarket you know big old crowd everyone's like 
patting you on the back and saying, you know, this is really good. And then just no one wanted to put it on. <laughs> like it's still <laughs> never gone on. It's one that play has now won four awards and it has never been performed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which tells you something about big working class plays as well. But yes, yeah. yeah, so I had the arsehole and uh I thought, well, fuck it. I was renting a flat in North London. It's costing loads of money. I'm I'm really inefficient. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, well, fuck it. I didn't have a girlfriend at the time or kids. And so I was like, fuck it, I'm just gonna go fishing. And so I, I decided to just Jack my flat in and went fishing and there I went fishing for like six no it's about four months in the end so I just went out and just lived by a lake and went fishing and just Love had a nice but before I did that because I'm not an absolute moron I applied to loads of bits and bobs and so one of the things I applied for was the Writers Academy I, I'd applied to it maybe like three or four times before and so it was just one of them things I did every year like I'm quite methodical I, I always used to apply to everything like I used to be a school administrator so I'm very good at admin do you know what I mean so <laughs> it's a great skill apply. to have there you go yeah you know so I apply to everything mate every competition I still do now I still apply to all the competitions and that and I've been doing it a while but I always think well fuck it like someone's going to win that money so it might as well be me do you know what I mean like oh, that's always my kind of feeling with this so yeah I applied to it and I, I had a very nice time fishing and it, it was really weird it was like it was like a complete refresh in my mind. And then suddenly work started coming in because perhaps I wasn't wanting it as much. You know what I mean? I wasn't as needy or something like that. It's like the universe heard. And yeah, I had to do like three or four interviews. And like I, I, I was raised watching soaps. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, so like my family are a soap family. So I've always watched them. And so for me, it was like, you know, it was a dream. We just got to go in there, talk to all these really, you know, like executives of the BBC who run all these shows. And they're like, you know, what do you do? And I'm like, this, this, I do this. And they're like, who do you write for? And I'm like, this. This one and this one and you know and then we you know we got to I got I got it it's unbelievable and so I was like well I need to move back to London now so we moved back into London with my mate which was cool moved in a Finsbury Park in this flat we had for 10 years cheapest flat in London I still to this day, have no idea how we got it it was absolutely brilliant and uh, he's an actor so it's just a cool flat and uh I just got to do like 10 weeks the BBC John York who is an amazing Brilliant guy man. yeah he's a great guy I got to do his course before I loved it it was really good oh, yeah he's an amazing man he really is yeah he doesn't need us to tell him that though because he's no. not a big enough ego is he <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Uh, and yeah. a very successful book etc etc yeah yeah mate his book sales must be doing alright mustn't they but yeah so we did like a 10 week it's like basically an apprenticeship which is so weird because like by that point that must have been like 2010 I think and like I had my first play on in 2006 or something around there. So I've been writing. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. like I said, it wasn't, I weren't getting paid a lot of money, but I, I must have had like six, seven plays, loads and loads of short plays. Like I've been mm. writing loads, loads and loads and loads and loads. So you kind of feel like, you know, you know, we've all got a little chip on our shoulder. And so like kind of you turn up and you think, well, fuck this. You know what I mean? Like, I know what I'm doing. And equally, like the soaps aren't always great. And then John just changes your life because he, he talks to you about story and and it was it was amazing like it, you know I, I don't think all of it you need to know but I, I i do think i'm a much better writer for it and and yeah and then i had a year where you know you, you write on eastenders and holby and casualty and doctors and that and for me it was always eastenders but like, i didn't want to write mm. any other. i never did couldn't care about them do you know what I mean? i'm not really into medical drama but like i loved uh this may hurt recently which was on the bbc but but yeah, I was never really on. I was never really on the other ones that much. But yeah, EastEnders, I loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. But yeah, it's just then you want to tell your own stories. Do you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I never wanted to commit fully to them, and they probably wouldn't have had me either. Do you know what I mean? Like you have to be a very particular type of writer. But I wanted to tell my own stories as well because like EastEnders, you know, it's great, but you you're writing someone else's stuff. You know, yeah. so so for me, I've always been like kind of half in, half out, and so I kind of dip back in and. 
very fortunately every now and again they give me an episode if I kind of go back and ask them which is cool but but for me it's my own shit like that that's what that's what I want to be right yeah 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 yeah. but like we had a really interesting conversation before we started recording and again I'm I'm not I'm not trying to make you repeat everything you said to me but but like (laughs) about the soaps and as a writer because I think this is really interesting for a lot of writers to hear that maybe are listening haven't got the opportunity yet to step up and do a professional show, but like having all the soap stuff under your belt, particularly as a show like EastEnders, you must have learned a lot as a writer that has really helped your career going forward and where you are now and stuff. Huge. And it, it, it teaches you to write the deadlines. It teaches you that you're not the most important person. Like I said, everyone's got a big old ego. In EastEnders, you know, there is a massive machine. It's insane. It, you shouldn't be able to make the amount of television that the BBC do. <laughs> You know, and for the money they're doing it for as well, it's incredible. And that takes a lot of work from a lot of people. And you're just the person writing, you know, like there's a bit, don't get me wrong, the writers, I always stick up for the writers, but uh, yeah. but you're one part in a massive cog. And so it, it kind of teaches you a bit of that. And just a discipline of story, just understanding what story is meant to do. Do you know what I mean? Like we all know, you know, when you watch an episode of something and you're like, I just don't know why, but I just didn't enjoy that. And generally it will be to do with the structure. The structure isn't, it hasn't done what you kind of need. It hasn't given you that pathos, that kind of, you know, it hasn't taken you on that journey. So yeah, no, I, I think it's amazing for anyone. Like I, I really do think there's, there's a lot you can, well, just, there's a lot you can learn from John York, but then it, it will make you a better writer because you're, you're actually in production as well. Like, you know, since I, I, I like left the soaps properly in like 2011, 2012, I've had one screen project greenlit, well, like one feature project greenlit. Do you know what I mean? So there's a lot of developing stuff that don't get made. And when stuff isn't getting made, you haven't got the pressure of production. Whereas when you're on EastEnders, it's like, we need a script tomorrow mm. because it's going to shoot next week and you just can't muck around with that because it's like we've been doing this for 35 years mate so if you can't do it we'll get, yeah, it, but it is it's like if you can't do it we'll get someone else in and yeah. you know it's ruthless but it, it kind of is the way it is yeah no but 100 i was saying to you before as well as a script editor like working with writers who have come through the soap is much easier and they tend to be a lot quicker and a lot better at getting things from a point of like development to go, being ready to go out. So I just think as a writer, like it's definitely, I think a lot of writers sometimes put their nose up to it and they maybe sh- should think again about that and maybe think, okay, maybe this could be an opportunity. I'm not saying yeah. you have to write on the soaps if you don't want to, it's not for everyone, no. but I, I think people should maybe not be as snobby about them as they maybe sometimes are. It, it is one of them things that people are snobby, but also people are snobby about everything. That is very true, especially in this bloody industry, aren't they? <laughs> Yeah, but it is just that thing. People people love to have a little snob off about everything. But and look, like, don't get me wrong, like, you know, if you if you watch every soap that comes out over a year, there's a lot of bad episodes. Do you know what I mean? Because of course there are. It's it's impossible to make that, you know, like the greatest tele or you know, the TV shows that we all talk about, like the breaking mm. bads, the sopranos, there's bad episodes of that as well. And yeah. they only made nine series and they made it over the best, you know, like they made it over like you know, course of like 10, 10 years. They still have bad episodes. The soaps, they're making three of them a week, four of them a week. Like, that's insane. Every week of the year, you know, of course there's going to be bad episodes. So, yeah, people are a bit snobby. I think it's really good to do them. I think it's good to do them and then try and do your own stuff, though, because, you know, like, I didn't get in a writing to make money. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, I want to But you get into it because you want to tell your own. You feel like you've you're got something. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, something you can add. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, and that for me that's kind of what it's about it's like what can i add and 
yeah, there's not a lot more to add to EastEnders. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair enough. But it's still yeah. interesting. So it's great, great to chat about on the podcast. But I wanted to sort of ask as well, because I know you co-wrote something that was BAFTA nominated, and that was the, the last hours of Laura Kay, right? So that was really successful. So that was cool. So do you want to talk a bit about that and how that came about and what sort of that was about and things? It is cool. Like I said, I've been really lucky. Like the BBC is it's just such an incredible thing. It's so difficult to kind of explain to people how important it is. And like the, that show, the BBC show that we got that BAFTA nom for, the last hour of Laura's K, that was the BBC took away six writers to a retreat just to try and come up with digital ideas. Like it's a while back. It's like now, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it means something very different. But so he's come up with a digital idea. And I think they thought we were going to come up with like little shorts. Do you know what I mean? Like little, you know, like little skitty things. Like they wanted comedy. But we we were away on this thing and we, we come up with this like real time murder mystery, with, which yeah. then spanned out into every social media. So it's like you can follow the characters' lives on social media as well as watching this real time, you know, and it's all through found footage so it's all like cctv and like camera phones and that and and it was amazing and like you know i, I was really fortunate to work with like gabriel bissett smith rachel delahaye and ed selleck and you know in the development stage there was laura neal and sabrina mafuz as well who were amazing and it was a shame like they were just too busy to work on the project i think in the end but just good people really good people and mm. like gabe rachel and ed are still good mates of mine like we and we ended up like kind because it was it was uh, by the suit of the pants kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? Because it's digital, so you ain't got the same amount of money as like, you know, a full TV production. So we kind of produced it and Gabe directed it. Rachel starred in it. And, you know, we were all on the set all the time. And it's just an amazing time. Amazing time in my life, man. And, you know, we, we, we fucking worked as well. Like it was a long <laughs> hour. Like that shoot, we shot 24 hours in like two weeks. And obviously we're not shooting naturalistic. Well, we are shooting, we're shooting ultra naturalistically. <laughs> But yeah, it's not like shooting, you know, like script constantly. But yeah, it was amazing. And, you know, and then, you know, we, we got the we got the BAFTA nom, which is great. You know, to this day, I would still say that we should have won it because <laughs> we, we worked our socks off on that. But, you know, it was a, it was a really, really amazing experience. And to work with, you know, Gabriel and I, we, we still collaborate now just before the pandemic. We were amazing. You know, it was amazing. We were taken out to Hollywood on a project that we were we were pitching around. And tell you what, that was a, <laughs> that's an experience for a little boy from Essex. Suddenly you're going over to Hollywood and pitching to these big people and it. It's lovely to do it with someone that you're mates with. Do you know what I mean? Someone that you worked with over here. Because I met Gabe, oh man, it must be about 14 years ago. Me and Gabe did the 24-hour plays at the Old Vic. So I'd known mm. Gabe a long time. Do you know what I mean? So it's cool. It, it was such a, it was a wonderful experience. Really was a wonderful experience. Yeah. yeah. Should have won. Should have won. We were cheating. <laughs> cheating. <laughs> well, you know, awards, awards was on ever. A lot of the time they never get it right anyway, do they? Like, nah, exactly. I'll tell you what, like, I wouldn't mind having a bathroom on the mantelpiece. <laughs> I know it's, yeah, yeah. you can still slap BAFTA on, but it's not maybe the same. I know what you mean. It would you get a, you get a certificate, which really isn't the same as one of the BAFTA statues. Do you know what I mean? But I'm, yeah. I'm sure they charge you for it. I'll probably be out of pocket. Do you know what I mean? After you pay for your tuxedo and your BAFTA certificate, your BAFTA statue, you'd be out of pocket, wouldn't you, at the end of the night? But, yeah. but no, it was cool, mate. It, it was a, it's a really cool thing. And like I said, I've been so lucky to kind of bounce around because I love the theatre. Do you know what I mean? Like theatre yeah. was my first love. It's what, what I've got into writing for. And so it's lovely to to be able to still be working in all of the mediums you know like mm. like this you know we're saying I, I can't remember if it was before we started <laughs> or anywhere, but like 
this play we've got going on it's about youth work and like I said I've worked in education in various guises over my life do you know I mean even to this you know I'm still kind of doing lots of workshops and stuff like community members and this play when they they came to me and said like the the work empire amazing company Matthew Smollers company and Al Ferris I'd known from the uh the old Vic who's the director and they were like we want to do a play about youth work because they do loads of community outreach and I was like yeah yeah like sign me up I'm well on board for this Mm. and and they did all this amazing research they got loads of like you know youth workers loads of young people you know gone through some pretty heavy shit and you know had all of this you know full access to all this stuff and and then you know my job is to like find like what's what's the heart what's the characters what's the story do you know and just boil it down to this and i was it's why i'm and like you you sound like dickhead when you say it but it's just why (laughs) it came so easy because i just i knew these characters inside out like one of them like he's not he's not one of my mates from back home but he could have been quite easily could have been one of my mates from back home like a good guy makes a bad decision mm. and it can, you know, just fucks up his life. And I just knew these characters. And so it, it was such a dream to write and it's taken ages to get on stage because everything takes ages. And there was like a global pandemic as well, which wasn't very good for theatre. But but yeah, we took it up to Leeds earlier this year and it virtually sold out the Leeds Playhouse, which was cool. Amazing. And a load of youth workers and young people from the, like, you know, who'd been in the development came in and saw it. And that is nerve wracking. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, because you've got real people who know this kind of, you know, if they say like that's a load of bollocks, then that is a load of bollocks. But uh, but yeah, no, they, they were incredibly supportive and really said they enjoyed it. So that's, you know, sort of vote of confidence. Hello, it's JB here. You may have heard this advert several times before, but if not, this is basically just me taking a minute to remind you guys that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a number of things you can do to help us keep growing. Now, as many of you might be aware, the podcasting landscape is incredibly saturated. And I mean, there's lots of podcasts. We all love podcasts. But it's very difficult for independent podcasts like us to sometimes break through and to be noticed. So doing things like sharing us on social media, word of mouth, and just telling friends and family to listen, or even leaving us a little five-star review on places like Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts go so far in helping us to keep growing. Me and Elliot adore this podcast. We love making this podcast. So if you're able to help in any way by doing something like that, we'd be incredibly grateful. Not just for our podcast, but if you love any independent podcast please try and give them a wee share or give them a review because it, it goes so far. Another thing you can do if you enjoy the podcast as well, and we appreciate that this is a very difficult time, but if you're enjoying this podcast and you want to help us, you can donate as little or as much as you like to our Patreon page, and you can do that by going to patreon.com slash job, or you can click the link in the show notes. Anything you can afford, we are very grateful for. Thank you for your continued support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. Just to sort of on, on the theatre stuff, Kenny, I just, again, because often we have writers on, but maybe one of them specialise in one or the other. And I know it does cross over a lot, but what do you sort of think the main differences between writing a play and writing a script for the screen are? Like, do you think it's, just, do you treat it similar as a process or do you, is, do you treat it a bit differently? The big difference I'd say is there's so much more plot in television, like television mm. and film, just so much more plot. You know, you, you've got, well, A, you've got loads and loads more scenes. So like, you know, generally, there's always an exception to the rule. This play is about 70 minutes and it's got about 27 scenes in it. But that's very rare that a play has got that many scenes. And, you know, even that, if it was a 60-minute TV script, my 60-minute, the one I'm working on at the moment, that's got, I think it's 58 scenes in it, if not 60. And then you jump forward to a feature film and then you've got 110, 115 scenes. Do you know what I mean? So it's 
it's kind of working out which stories fit which form for me now I, I feel like I'm in a really nice position because I'm like is that a play is it a tv show is it a film and, and I can kind of work that out from the plot, the setting, you know, how I want it to work in terms of the, you know, the communion to an audience. And so for, for this play, because it's all set in one location, do you know what I mean? You you see the, the youth worker and the young person, every single yeah. meeting they have, it's like the course of youth work meetings they have. So for me, that feels very much like a play. Like, don't get me wrong, you get films like that as well, but they're quite rare. Whereas if I'm moving around locations constantly, and like that can be a facet of a play, but you're asking a lot, do you know what I mean, for direct, and designers to be able to do that and keep an audience with you so so yeah it feels good it feels good that I can kind of think about which form is going to be the best form for this idea yeah, this yeah. story these characters no that's really I just I, I think again just for people listening that are writers and stuff it's also interesting just to hear about people's processes and how because they are different things and you said about radio as well you've done that so like with radio yeah. was that was that different as well because I imagine that's probably a little bit more like fear in the sense that it's again you're not going to have as much plot because it's people speaking it's, like, it's, it's so weird Weird and like there is an element to this that's bollocks but it is radio is more like a film because okay. because you can kind of go anywhere with radio I suppose, but yeah yeah because you, you don't have to worry about budget do you know what i mean so my my radio play was about a very fictional version but two two of my mates really good mates they cycled from lands in at john O'Groats to raise money for charity and after their sister passed away really sadly and i just thought it's such an amazing story and they're, they're the most amazing guys they really are and but they ain't cyclists <laughs> do you know yeah. what i mean and so they did it on like you know a banged out old bike banged out old you know mondeo follow in and an AA route planner because we were really old so we didn't have mobile phones with maps and I was like there's a story there and at the time I, I met a few people from like BBC Radio and so I pitched it and yeah they loved it but for me that you know it, it was like a road movie do you know what I mean yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like a road movie it's, you're picking up on this and it just meant I could tell that story and it could reach an audience so I really wanted to write it but we all know like TV and film takes a million years to get anything made yeah. It just meant I could write that and I could get it to like a Radio 4 audience really quickly. And it is one of the, the least painful processes I've ever had. Like the <laughs> producer on it was brilliant. Clive Brewer, just not a lot of notes. And look, you know, sometimes you really do need notes. But that one, again, it was one of those ideas where it, it was so clean. I just, I knew these two guys and like, I did know them. Do you know what I mean? Because they're so yeah. based on a couple of my mates from Newry and it just come out. Like I think a lot of things are forgiven, you know, in drama. If, you, if you've got great characters, great yeah. characters people and they don't have to be the nicest of people you know like everyone talks about you know relatable characters and you know good people and it's like everyone has the capacity to be an arsehole on any given day I know I do do you know what I mean but hopefully that doesn't mean I'm a bad person and actually I think there's it's finding the truth of people do you know what I mean like yeah. that's, that's what people want is the truth but but yeah it was a wicked process and I, I did a couple of other short bits and bobs for Radio Free as well which was it's cool but like you know yeah. you want it on the screen eventually yeah of course you know I mean? like, but yeah. again like the Soaps. I think some writers maybe listening again would never consider that as a medium, which is good because you, I mean, you're getting paid to do it. I imagine as well, and then yeah. also you're increasing your profile and you're getting. If you're on the BBC Radio, at the end of the day, it's still good. It's still a good thing to have on your CV. So. Right, it's amazing, and it's like everything's a gateway. Do you know what I mean? Of like, course. like one of my really good mate of mine, he's an absolutely amazing writer called Ishi Din. I'm sure his first thing he did was a, a it was like a response to, I think it was like a response to a football thing, and he, he, he just sent it 
into the BBC radio and they, they stuck him on and like, Ish is one of the best writers I know. Do you know what I mean? And but it's that getting through the first door. And also it's because then you can kind of say to yourself, as well as your mates, do you know what I mean? Like if you're from an area where no one's a writer and like you go like, I've got this thing, it's on the BBC. And they're like, whoa, the BBC. Do you know what I mean? Like suddenly it's like you can tell yourself it means you can shed a bit of that imposter syndrome, isn't it? A hundred percent. And it's so true. Everything. I, I try and treat every opportunity in my life as a bit of a gateway that might, you know, take you further, blah, blah. Even doing like an interview with you tonight is I met another writer, for example. You know I mean, it's little things like it all helps. Mate, I'm going to be you know? pestering you for a job a couple of years down the line. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is the thing you always get. But yeah. you know what? Some, someone did say that to me as well. It's like, you, you don't know where anyone's going in like a couple of years. Do you know what I mean? Like there were script editors on EastEnders that end up running like the BBC. Do you know, in like in, in a period of like five to ten years. So be nice to people. hundred percent. Something I say the most in this podcast, but like genuinely, I think by being nice and great to work with does more for your career than your probably your talent. I genuinely yeah. believe that. You've got to have a bit of talent as well. Of course. But also- but, it doesn't cost it doesn't cost you anything to be nice yeah. and have a bit of time for people yeah. and, and also I appreciate like when we was doing that Laura Kitchen thing some of the runners on that they were like superhuman do you know what I mean because yeah. we're shooting all across London like and it is a it's a it was a the wild west of a shoot as well <laughs> moving very quickly and a lot of cameras and uh, like GoPros not you know expensive cameras because yeah. our budget was zero but yeah like the runners are doing they're superhuman do you know what I mean so like get them a cup of tea every now and again when they look knackered and you know like make sure you say thank you and please and just That'll be a bit of a human being do you know what I mean 100% sure yeah 100% of course when I said the talent thing I mean talent does help but I think genuinely that you could probably be like the most talented person in the world but if you're an arsehole I genuinely think you'll get less work than somebody that's maybe like good yeah. and lovely do you know what I mean well I think the industry's changing as well because yeah. I think for a, for a long period of time, a lot of people got away with being arseholes. They did, you know? they did, and they, they still sadly do. But I think there's less of it. Definitely less of it now. No, um, I think so. And you know, and it is just it's that thing. You know, when you get and you know, I ain't there at the moment. I'm not you know rich, but you just want to work with nice people, and that's the thing. You know, when I meet meet TV companies, you know, you've got a yeah. pitch constantly at TV companies and in indies. The ones you want to work with, the ones you really get on with, the nice people. Do you know yeah, what I mean? The yeah. ones, you know, you share a joke. You're interested in their lives, and they're interested in your life, and you know, like. You know, it's it's just you know, it's about human. It's a human being business. Do you know what I mean? That's 100%. what we're doing. It's about empathy and understanding. So you don't want to work with people that haven't got any of that, do you? Hundred percent, hundred percent. I'll slowly start to wrap things up, Kenny, because I don't need to be speaking for an hour. But I've got a couple more questions for you. One of my sort of questions is about like your influences as a writer. Like, who are the sort of people that you've really influenced you as a screenwriter and a playwright, etc.? It's weird. It's weird. I don't know. It's change. It changes daily. <laughs> I didn't read that question on the pre-questions. Jamie. I didn't send you that one. I, I, oh, was, mate, I, I love it. I love it. I keep it was, some it, back. I like to give it, my guests a flavour, and I like to ask them questions on the spot to make it more natural. You see, that's good. That's good. That's good. Uh, I suppose, like, like, I think Sarah Phelps is like the, the best soap writer ever do you know what i mean like she wrote on eastenders and she wrote she turned eastenders into her show and it was it's incredible do you know what i mean i think like, uh, jeff povey as well in terms of eastenders writers you just anyone that's matt evans who i'm very fortunate to call a friend of mine now as well mm. people who can do that and kick out 120 episodes of eastenders i just think wow and they're the ones that people kind of like you said people can be snooty about stuff like that and those three writers i think are amazing human beings Jimmy McGovern is incredible and is still smashing it to pieces. Like, do you yeah. know what I mean? That I've forgotten the name of it. That one with Sean Beam in recently. Time. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the best things I've seen on TV for a million years. But yeah, so like, I find things like that incredible. Like, I've probably the only reason I write TV is because I, I used to live in a shared house with a couple of Slovenians that had the box set for the West Wing. And <laughs> that's the 
that's the first thing I ever really watched. Do you know what I mean? Like since watching the soaps, never used to watch TV, you know, and I watched the West Wing and I was like, I didn't really care about politics up until then. And I watched a show about American politics, which meant nothing to me. And Aaron Sorkin's Ryan is on a different planet. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's still like yeah. yeah, it's unbelievable. And so I'd say that that was a huge influence as well. And yeah, it's just, there's so many good writers out there now. So many, like, you know, again, like mates of mine, like Rachel Delahaye and Anya Reese are two, like, they're amazing people, but as writers, they're incredible. Do you know what I mean? Incredible writers, especially what all the stuff they're juggling as well. It's, it's wicked. It's, you know, it, I'm very fortunate to have some good mates who are incredibly mm. inspirational writers, but I don't know when I was starting, like, it was all playwrights. So there's a there's a guy who wrote a play I was in. I, I used to be a really shit actor at university. <laughs> really bad, really bad. And I, I was in a play with my mates by a guy called Chris O'Donnell, and it's called Car. And it's about four lads who uh, rob a car, and one of them goes into mediation, and it's like the fallout of like them nicking this car. Mm. And I used to be a massive smoker. You might have noticed I'm like using a vape while we're talking. I'm still yeah. massively but a big old smoker so I used to get cast as like the South London rat and everything that play again it was just felt authentic I think Chris used to be a youth worker he used to work with young people and it just felt so authentic like do you know what I mean it didn't feel like some posho writing about this it felt like someone who understood it and you know when you're just being in a play like that you're just like if I'm gonna write that's the kind of stuff I want to write do you know what I mean? So yeah. there's loads, loads, mate. I love Martin McDonough as well. Like in Bruges, if you can't oh, watch film. Bruges, yeah. love it. Yeah. But also yeah. like line by line, Martin McDonough in, in Bruges, line by line, I think is one of the great films. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's just funny and moving and heartbreaking. And Colin Farrell just smashes that film out of the park, doesn't he? Do you know what I mean? It's, it's incredible. Yeah. It's a really good one. It's a really good one. For two weeks in Bruges, in a room like this, with you. No way. Been to the top of the tower? Guidebook says it's a must-see. Well, you ain't going up there. Why? It's all windy stairs. I'm not being funny. What exactly are you trying to say? They're a bunch of elephants. This next question I want to ask you, I've only recently started asking it, and people seem to get a bit nervous when I ask it, but I, I think it's good to celebrate your achievements and stuff, but the sort of question is, like, what are you most proud of in your career so far? And I know that maybe sounds self-indulgent to some people, but I think it's I love hearing guests talk about that because you've got to be able to celebrate yourself and, and reflect. Yeah, it's, it's weird, isn't it? Because it, do you know what the funny thing is? It's like you're always moving on. Do you know what I mean? It's like, what's next? Like, what is next? Like, it, it always feels like that. But I've been really lucky, like, during the pandemic, like, I've, I've had a couple of plays on, like, and plays in Essex as well, which is great. And one of them is called Sirens on at the Mercury, and I work a lot with the Mercury, and I've got so much time for the people who work there, like, Dilek Latif, who's a mate who runs their talent development, is an incredible woman, and she produced the play there as well. And it really is about Essex, and it's about grief, and it's about, you know, an area I really understand. And uh, my, my mate, who lives in that ratty flat in Finsbury Park ended up playing the lead as well in it and uh, that was incredible and like I said that you know this this play the one that just went on in Leeds like means a lot to me I think it's a good piece of writing do you know what I mean and like we're all we're all conditioned to never say that we think we write good stuff but this one I just I think there's a verve to it it's very pasty do you know what I mean the dialogue I think is kind of it's there and I don't usually write like big zeitgeisty messagey plays and I wouldn't say this is a zeitgeisty messagey play but it's about something I, I kind of believe in do you know what I mean like we, yeah. we've got a government that just keeps on strip mining 
youth services and then wondering why people are stabbing each other and you know violence is going up and all of that and mm. i just think hey, it's not complicated do you know what i mean it's not complicated stop shutting youth centers stop you mm. know stop harassing people on the street and that but yeah so that bit laurie kitchen it would always get just because i got to work with three of my mates as well do you yeah. know what i mean we got to make it we got to make like this incredible digital film crossover thing and yeah that was cool but they're, they're all cool do you know what i mean like every time you get anything on it's such a privilege to have it on yeah and i and especially like my first episode of EastEnders, one of my best mates from Burnley rented out the back room in a pub. Yeah. <laughs> so I watched my first episode of EastEnders I like 30 of my mates. And uh, my mum had like her mates around the house because she, you know, you know what your parents are like, you know, I've like told all of her mates and they come around and watched it and she was like ringing you know it's 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 a wonderful thing and it's easy to forget that when you get caught in the rat race of like i want this i want this i want this i want to do this and actually like it's all pretty wonderful like it mm. pretty much is yeah. yeah i'm very lucky i'm very lucky mate actually you you mm. forget that sometimes yeah no that's a great answer and i love i love how honest and, and very humble you are as well you're very like i mean i don't think a lot of people are like that i, I genuinely think i love that you're you've not got the ego about it you're genuinely like love oh, mate i have my great. moments well everyone don't does but do you know what i mean but you are <laughs> you know yeah. if you're still with my wife she'd be like he's got a fucking ego i mean well i mean <laughs> reason, but i think it's nice to hear you sort of reflect on it so honestly and, and genuinely like appreciate it. my next question is what is which uh, this one you were sent so you hopefully might have had a bit more warning but it's what are the sort of free essential skills that you feel people would maybe need if they want to be a writer so what are free skills you think everyone could potentially use if they were to write ah uh, like you got hard, hard work do you know what i mean like it, it's a lot of graft you know it just is it is and like everyone talks about it as if it's like you know everyone uses like oh it's like a caterpillar and it becomes a butterfly mm. and that's ten thousand words mate do you know what i mean that's what it is and if you want to work in tv it's ten thousand words a week do you know what i mean yeah. like or you know less if it's half hours but it's like it's graft like there is graft and all the meetings all the pitching do you know what i mean all the rejection like you gotta you gotta get used to that it's gonna be graft and it's funny sometimes when i work with playwrights and young playwrights and you know struggling to get a draft out and i think like you want to work in tv like it's gonna eat you up because it, it, it ate me up as well i remember the first set of notes i got on eastenders and they were like i was like what's going on i was like everyone said they liked the episode and like the notes were about about six pages long and then someone's like oh no no mate that's just the way it works do you know what i mean like that's just tv but yeah so you got you got you got to want to graph because there's a lot of people out there who do and do you know what i mean so if you want to mm. do it you got to do that you have a thick skin because of the rejections and you gotta love it as well. Like so many people I talk to just seem to hate it. And I'm like, well, go and do something else. Like literally. <laughs> it is like because there's loads of people who want to do this. Like if you do really hate it, go and do something else. Like, why why would you waste your time with something you hate? Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, I like so I'm in a very fortunate position to be able to do something I love, but like there's other jobs that are easier. Do you know what I mean? There's loads of jobs that are easier as well. Do you know what I mean? Go and cash in, go and do something else. Do you know what I mean? Mate, yeah. I, I, you know, the day I hate it, I'm gonna go and work in a bowling alley because I love bowling. <laughs> I'm working a bowling. <laughs> and I'm gonna have a great time in a bowling alley, and I might, you know, I might not make enough money, but I have a great time doing it. Cause fuck it, life's short. Do something you enjoy. I love it. I love it. I don't think I've ever ever heard anyone say that if the their next plan is to do that. But that's a great. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> so specific love it the, the mortgage advisors probably wouldn't be happy about that if i did but yeah, we'll see. i'm sure i'm sure no mortgage advisors are listening to this but we'll see <laughs> yeah. you never know perhaps they want to be right well. yeah maybe no, maybe so Just get a real job. well i've got two more questions for you ever you touched on a job earlier so 
I mean, I don't know if we'll top that one, but like we're, the name of the podcast is Just Get a Real Job. We'd all work jobs. We didn't particularly yeah. like to pay the bills. You know, we'd all heard yeah. that you should just get a real job. We'd all done it a little bit to support our art. But like, what's the worst real job or worst part-time job you'd ever had to work? Well, I've, I've done a couple of stupid things. I used to do garden clearances at weekends with my mate from Glasgow. And uh, we couldn't ever be asked to go to the tip afterwards. And so <laughs> we were in a rented house. And so we used to go back and just bin it all at the end of our garden, <laughs> which is definitely not how you're meant to do garden clearances. And then another, a mate of mine, it was like six weeks holiday. So because I worked in schools and so six weeks holiday is always like you know just getting drunk and he was like oh can you like come and give us a hand and he used to you know like when people have their houses you know like insurance when they pay out he was the guy mm. they sent around to do like lots and bits and bobs and so me and my mate from home is from Essex he's called Devo he's a really funny guy and he, he's pretty good with his hands I'm not we went around to tile someone's kitchen for our mate Paul and I was like, Dev, we can't tile a kitchen. Like, we're a couple of idiots from Essex. And so we we were tiling this kitchen and it didn't look good. Like, when they came in and saw it, a French couple, they came in and they were like, what are you used to doing? <laughs> so, so, yeah, so I, I've done a few bits and bobs. Like, so I think I'm definitely better at writing than I am at tiling kitchens and, and garden clearances. So, yeah, yeah, they were a couple of... Yeah. we The worst job, in fact, the worst job, I can't believe I haven't mentioned this. I used to work in a call centre with all my mates. So when we, we finished university, <laughs> And we we worked for a company called Direct Excellence, which is the devil. We're on zero hour contracts and they paid us like nothing. And we had to ring up and pretend to be people mystery shopping for car insurance. Mm. And and all of us did that job. But because it was zero hours, you could leave whenever you want. So around about like two or three o'clock, someone would be like, do you want to go for a pint? And then we just leave. And so we never made any money from doing it either. Do you know what I mean? But it was a funny job. It was a funny job. I'm glad I don't have to do it for the rest of my life. But at the time, yeah, it was a terrible, terrible job, but also funny because it was just me and my mates doing it. Do you know what I mean? Because, you know, what, what do you do when you're 22? <laughs> but, but yeah, no, it's funny, mate, when you think back on some of the silly scrapes and jobs that yeah. you do. Well, I don't think we've never had anyone on the podcast that was being robbed at knife point before either. So there you go. That's uh, definitely a fair. Yeah, no, I say, I, I, I haven't kept in contact. They're a really lovely couple who own the off license called Tony and and uh, you always felt guilty when you had to ring Tony and say, Tony, we've been robbed again. And be, there'd be a little pause and he'd be like, are you all right? And you know he's thinking, how much did they take? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. That's a yeah. Yeah. Uh, fun games. Fun and games. Like I said, it's definitely worse things than writing out there. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, I've got one last question for you, and it's similar to the sort of free skills question thing I asked you, but like, I sort of get everyone to close on their, what their advice would be to anyone who maybe wants to work in their profession. So obviously for you, for writers, but like, you've given some great insights and advice throughout this episode anyway, but like, just sort of summarise, what would your sort of closing advice be to anyone that's thinking today, I want to be a writer, I'm going to get into it now? Just write constantly. Like uh, the, the BBC website, there's a list of about 15 opportunities on there and you know just write for all of them do you know what i mean if you can apply at something and they're like write a five minute monologue write a five minute monologue and apply and then if someone wants a 10 minute play write a 10 minute play and apply for that and if the bbc are like do you want to come and write on the soaps watch the soaps and apply for that apply for everything like if you want to be a writer you have to apply to do it do you know what i mean like it's if you want to do anything you've got you've got to kind of try and get your foot in the front door and so many people want to do everything because it's a cool job so do it and you you know you you learn i don't know there's that stupid quote isn't there about you know like the, the you've got to do a hundred is it a hundred a thousand hours at anything to get good at it yeah and so yeah do it do you know what i mean like write and yeah the first thing you write is probably not going to be perfect and but you'll learn something from it and read some books about it do you know what i mean like you know like the books you get at university that you don't read that end up being like you know they're, they're used as like you know 
things to put drinks on and that and then you get a bit older and you're like oh fuck no i spent 25 quid on that book i probably should read it and you read it and you're like oh god i wish i read that thing <laughs> literally really a bookshelf full of them behind me right yeah, now mate, you, you know what i mean and like don't get me wrong some of those books on structure are terrible but there, there are some amazing books like you yeah. know yeah so yeah just graft and like i said i when i when i took that year off because i was like i i really thought it was going to be one year and then it was like back to being a school administrator i literally would write anything for anyone if someone advertised and were like would you you know we're looking for a writer i'd do it because i had 15 grand in my pocket do you know what i mean because i've got those two things so i was like well fuck it i can write for free do you know what i mean so any small theater company i'd write them a play do you know what i mean just because i was like the more of these i do the more i'm gonna learn because the more it will be put in front of an audience and you do half learn if you sit in an audience and your place dying on its ass and i've had some plays die on its ass as well you learn you're like why isn't that funny why aren't people connecting with it what, what's going wrong and you learn from doing so i'd say like like i said those resource pages like the bbc writers room as, as a resource page go on there apply to every single thing yeah. that you could you've got enough time to mm. and you'll learn from it do you know right. what i mean and you're not even getting an excuse to everyone listening to this episode because we're going to link that underneath so you have no excuses it's right there to click on so um cool. now, but, uh, do you know what i mean though there's so many opportunities but there's, there's there. so much out there now as well like even i mean not even i don't even mean this podcast I mean, although we have had some great writers to anyone listening for the first time but like there's so many resources this podcast on how to be a writer you know people screenwriting podcasts and youtube videos like we're in the age where you have access to everything that people even probably when you were younger kenny wouldn't have had so i feel like you don't really have there's so much resources out there if you want to learn yeah and it's it's just trying to make that little bit of time. It's what I kind of always say to people, because the, the worst thing about writing is a blank page. Do you know what I mean? Because you, you sit there and you've got, you, first off, you've got a voice in your head that says you're not a writer. You're not a writer. Writers don't look like you. Do you know what I mean? That's not where writers come from. They don't come from Essex, little town. No one, no one in your family works in the arts. So you've got to get past that. Then you've got the blank page. So you start writing. You're like, this is shit. This is shit. This is shit. But it always starts shit. But get through it because then you get a bit, you know, and I think that's the thing. It's like saying to yourself, well, like if you've only got two hours to write a week, don't burn an hour of that on social media. Or don't burn an hour of that thinking this is shit. It's not going to work out. Or don't burn an hour of that saying I'm not a writer. Just start writing. And like the worst thing is, the worst thing that can happen is you have to change it. Do you know what I mean? Which you're going to have to change it anyway. Yeah. Everything's a Even so, the professional writers, they have to do like nine changes and get annoying, oh, get annoying notes from people like myself. But, it's, you know, it's just like. You know, it's like any. Anything like you know the film i think we did 10 drafts of the film like the don't get me wrong and all big drafts that was last year 10 drafts before we're taking it into netflix and if netflix like it they're gonna give us a load of notes as well and it starts again <laughs> that bbc script i'm working on we're on draft 12 you know it's still not greenlit like stuff takes time and it, there will be changes so don't block yourself by worrying about it too much Do you know what i mean like if you're worrying about what you're writing you're not concentrating on the characters and if you're not concentrating on the characters and the story, then you're already, you know, you, you've already kind of set yourself up to fail a bit, I think. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, just trust um, yourself, isn't it? Trust yourself. Trust yourself. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> oh, definitely. I mean, that's a great point to end on. But, Kerry, thank you very much. This has been a really, really enjoyable chat. You're, you seem like a great guy and, like, you, you're very experienced in it. It's great oh. to get your knowledge and insights for people to hear. So, and best of luck with the play at the bush as well. Oh, mate, it's been so lovely to have a chat, man. Seriously, this has been really nice. Thank you so much. Pleasure. So there you have it. That was episode 77 of Just Get A Real Job. 
with the brilliantly talented Kenny Empson. Thank you again to Kenny for his time. I really, really enjoyed chatting to him. I hope you found what he had to say interesting and insightful. And remember, if you enjoyed today's episode, it was the first time you'd ever listened. This is the 77th episode of Just Get A Real Job. So we have a brilliant back catalogue full of amazing conversations with some very talented creatives. So to be sure to go back and check them out. There's also links to Kenny's website in the show notes. There's links to the BBC Writers Room and loads of other writing resources. So if you're interested in getting into writing and you maybe don't know where to start, have a look there because there's some great resources. As always as well, if you're enjoying the podcast, remember to like and subscribe. Remember to follow us on social media. Remember to share us on social media. Tell friends and fam to listen. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And we have a Patreon page you can subscribe to as well. I say this every week. You're probably sick of me saying it, but, you know, we've got to do it. It's part of the script. We've got to do it. It's what you got to do if you're an independent podcast. And it's how we grow. But anyway, thank you for your continued support. We have some brilliant conversations coming up the rest of this month in May. Can't wait for you to hear them. And until next Tuesday, I hope you have a lovely week. Just get a real job.